0: Thank you for tuning in today. we got a special episode for you. I'm going to be talking with one of my listeners, Ruben, who decided to he wanted to come on my show to really share his story of bipolar disorder publicly. Now, if you're a listener and you want to hop on my show and can share your story like many other of my listeners have done, you can reach me at at Logan Noon on uh, Instagram and Facebook or write to me at Logan at LoganNoon.com. Once again, thanks for tuning in. Uh, You were talking to me from Raleigh, North Carolina. Uh, Thanks again for coming on the show, Ruben. I'm really excited to talk to you. Now, when did you first hear about me? Because I think it was way before my uh, podcast, right? Wasn't it back on YouTube?
1: Yeah, exactly. Um, I had just kind of just done some YouTube videos, kind of seeing about what information was out there about bipolar. If there were people kind of out there just kind of, you know, being advocates for bipolar um, disorder, and also, um, it's kind of something that I wanted to do is to kind of contribute. I kind of feel like I've been very fortunate in the past couple of years that I, you know, could kind of give, kind of share my story to other people, kind of kind of let people kind of know, like, the challenges I've had, the successes I've had with it, and I kind of wanted to kind of be, kind of contribute as well, so that's kind of why I've been kind of following you and I saw that you started doing your podcast and I wanted to be kind of a part
0: of that. Well, awesome. Awesome. Yeah, thank you for being such a good supporter, you know, over these. I started those YouTube videos, geez, eight years, six years, seven years ago, something like that. It was a long time ago. Um, So it's pretty cool that you've known about me for a long time and continue to kind of follow my work and now participate in my work. So I'm really excited to kind of hear your story, but just so the listeners kind of understand really where you're at, how long have you had bipolar disorder? I've had it for uh, 24 years. Okay. And so you currently have disclosed your bipolar uh, to your family and friends, but have you ever participated on a speakers bureau or have you ever put anything like online kind of like I have about your experiences? No, I haven't done any of that. This is kind of my first shot at doing this basically. Well, awesome. Awesome. Yeah, I, I think it's fantastic. And I think it's such a good service to other people out there suffering with bipolar disorder, um, who maybe have family members or friends who have bipolar disorder, just because it seems like in the news, we only hear the negative sides of mental illness. And at least this podcast, I want to serve as like the the triumphs and like the success stories and something that people can look to for inspiration. So, so once again, thank you so much. Let's kind of start diving into the details now. So you're talking to me from North Carolina, but that is not where you grew up. You grew up in uh, Pennsylvania, correct? That's correct. That's and you started having mental health symptoms kind of right around when you were like a senior in high school, right? Right. It was like my second semester of my senior year.
1: Okay. So what
0: what happened? So basically, we had
1: this really bad winter storm in Pennsylvania. Um, basically, I was out of school for a whole week, and I had um, kind of just been kind of cabin fever all, all week long and gone back to school. And I remember my dad took me back to school one day, and he normally didn't drive me back to school, but he offered to take me to school. And I kind of told him to go one route to school, and he didn't really listen. He didn't listen to what I told him, and we got in all this traffic. And I was just kind of really irritable, irritated about what had happened. And I remember just kind of going to school and just kind of talking about it in my first period of class. I mean, it made no sense for me to kind of kind of burst out and talk about it, but that kind of was like the first sign of like something was going on because I was, you know, definitely not. I was very irritable and felt the need to kind of talk, kind of burst out for no reason
0: yeah. at that time. And then and, it just continued to like escalate. Uh, you talked about in your story that you sent me how um, there was a particular instance on Ash Wednesday where you kind of rather embarrassed yourself. And it was just you were acting totally almost just irrational in that sense. So can you can you kind of tell that story? Sure.
1: Uh, kind of just leading up to it. Um, you know, I with with having bipolar, um, I definitely had a lot of nights where I didn't sleep very much. So I kind of was going off to two, three hours of of sleep per night. And so basically what happened was we had, um, you know, went to Catholic school. We went to Ash Wednesday Services. And basically everybody is supposed to kind of wait in line to kind of get their ashes. And I, for some reason, just kind of get up and go to the front of the the stage of the auditorium. And I was pretty much the first person in the whole school to get it. Now, that's not basically the way it's supposed to work Mm -hmm. out. Everybody's supposed to kind of take their turn. I can't tell you why I did that, like why I felt impatient, why I felt the need to kind of do that, but that just kind of just happened. And of course, you do that, and everybody sees you, of course, in the whole school doing it.
0: Yeah. Yeah. So that, you know, probably might have been like your first flavor, it sounds like, of maybe like a manic episode or just, you know, kind of really acting irrationally and really out of your normal normal attitude and normal behavior. So let's kind of get an idea of what you were like in high school. You know, were you very social? Um, did you feel like you were depressed a lot or did you feel like you really had a good attitude?
1: Um, You know, really, like I would say in high school, for the most part, I was pretty much a, a shy person. I definitely participated in some sports, participated in group activities, but definitely kind of more so quiet, reserved for most points. Um, Most part, but then what happened was um, I kind of didn't notice really the changes until, you know, January, late January 1994, like my last semester of school. That's kind of when things had kind of started changing. Um, Me kind of feeling like didn't under really understanding why I was able to, you know, not sleep all night long, Mm. but then have all this and a burst of energy the next day to go to school and pretty much just come home for school and sleep for two, three hours and kind of just do this for like two weeks straight. Yeah, And it's just really crazy because, you know, I felt like when I was at school, I had a burst of energy. And also when I was at school, my personality changed too. I changed from being quiet and reserved for being loud and outgoing.
0: Okay, So it was kind of
1: just, it just completely changed the personality.
0: So, you know, it sounds like you're really describing the, you know, mania sort of side of bipolar disorder, were you also dealing with any elements of depression? Definitely, there were times when I would just, something would happen in school
1: and I would just, you know, burst out and start crying. Okay. There, there were times where I had, where I had outbursts of crying. Um, so it wasn't just all the, the mania of being really happy, but then there was also like the downfall, like you'd be high one moment and then you just, like, crash, and you would just, like, start crying and be depressed.
0: Yeah. Okay. So how did you eventually seek treatment and uh, start to receive psychiatric care and, you know, treat this issue that was going on with you? And, and you know, you you must have been, what, 18 years or 17 years old at that time? 17 long? years, yeah, 17 okay. years old. Um, so basically,
1: my my teachers had noticed they saw changes in me, so they pretty much—basically, um, I had— gone home sick one day and basically my mom came to pick me up and at that point the nurse pretty much gave my mom orders and told her you know you have to um you have to basically go take him to this place they basically were good about they they told my mom where she needed to take me and I basically had some type of initial psychiatric evaluation um, I completely had no clue what that was all about. Still, I was kind of in the denial phase that anything kind of was wrong with me. So I really didn't take it very seriously. But after my evaluation, that day, um so this was basically the the, the next day following that whole mm-hmm. Ash Wednesday episode, uh, my my mom actually um, was told by the psychiatrist that they had to take me to the hospital. so, she, uh, My dad was traveling for business that day, so my, my mom was the one, basically had to do all the work and take me to the hospital that evening. I still was pretty much in denial, but basically I was admitted to the adolescence um, psychiatric ward um, in, in Pennsylvania, and basically um, I was there for, believe it or not, I was there for like a month and a half, so I was there for yeah. a long time. It was not just like in one day or out the next week, it was there for, for a pretty long time.
0: Well, I I would like to really talk about that experience because when I when I was reading your story, I was really sort of surprised by some elements of that because you said, you know, you were there for a month and a half and and I'm sorry you were there for so long. That must have been rather challenging, but me thinking that you you said that experience was rather positive because maybe it started moving you in the right direction, but also in that experience you talked about how um you know, you had a roommate that you didn't necessarily get along with, you know, you had a dispute over art, and then it led to you having to get actually restrained. And so, but you still viewed it as a positive experience. So, can you tell us about, like, what it was like being in that hospital, what it was like, you know, dealing with a roommate that you didn't really like at the beginning, and really, and how you still maintained, like, a positive outlook on that experience?
1: Well, I think basically what it was, and In terms of the the roommate, it was really not his fault. It was more so my fault because what happened was, again, I was very ill, very depressed, very, you know, going through my bipolar episodes and um, again, in very much denial. So I walk into the hospital and they throw me with a roommate and um, they had tried to give me some type of medicine to kind of just calm me down. Mm. And I didn't take the medication. I actually went to the bathroom and I threw it away. So basically, what happened was um, that first night again, um, I was still pretty much you know restless at night, and I pretty much just wrote over his artwork. I just drew. I mean, that was mm-hmm. not his fall of his own. That was the art- artwork that he drew himself. And I was in you know my state, and I just pretty much just took a crayon, scribbled all over it. And so it was. So, but basically, what I was referring to in terms of a positive experience was, the hospital was very structured they had a very good, um, I think, good way of handling things in terms of, you know, we, we wake up and we had to go to a morning meeting. Then in, during during the day, we had to go to, they basically called it school. They basically, everybody was doing schoolwork for a couple hours a day. Then you had um, a therapy session. I remember like um, every afternoon before before dinner, you had to do that. Then you had a, uh, a, a session in the evening after dinner, um, and you, you had like another another meeting with the group. Also, what they try to do is they kind of assigned you with somebody, so you with you had a counselor there, and that person would say to you, "Okay, folks, so today I want you to work on on you know, you know, trying to be more positive or or trying to do certain things." And and so I thought it was very structured. I thought that, that point of it, part of it, was extremely like positive because. Um, you know, there were certain things you had to learn. You had to learn with the rules and you go to the meetings and they'd quiz you on certain things about the rules and you had different levels and you had to achieve different levels. So I thought that was kind of very positive that you it, it didn't throw you there and you didn't do anything all day long. At least there was some type of structure. And, you know, if you wanted to at the time, you know, you know, wanted to listen to a Walkman you had to be on a certain level. If you got to a certain level, then your parents could bring in your music and you could listen to your music in your room. So I thought it was very, very good the way they kind of had everything kind of structured for us okay. know, at that point. Okay. But yes, the, the beginning of it was was kind of very kind of rocky, especially, you know, they did throw me on the, on the restraints because um, they needed me to calm down. They, they, they realized that, you know, I was kind of out of control and that was the only way they could control me at that point.
0: Yeah, yeah, well... It's really fantastic to hear that you you maintain such a positive outlook on that, you know, despite getting, you know, restrained. We actually had on um, my friend Rudy Caceres, and he's really against forced uh, psychiatric treatment, and he got restrained, and it was incredibly traumatic for him. But, you know, I also understand that it, it does, at times may be necessary and you know obviously for you it didn't sound like it was as much of a negative experience because you're still able to maintain that positive outlook on your psychiatric hold and you know my psychiatric experience in the hospital was much much shorter i think it was only like five or six days but i have relatively a negative uh attitude towards it. I mean, I think it was necessary. I'm glad I went, but man, I just hated my time there. Like we couldn't go outside. I just would be pacing around in the hallways. I just remember being bored. It did have some structure. I mean, the one positive thing I really, really kind of think is hysterical is the first time I did yoga was in the psychiatric ward. And now I really love yoga. And so it's kind of like, well, you know, like it it was, it was a good experience, moved me in the right direction. So now... What I always tell people, and really what my experience was, the I assumed the hardest part of of treatment would be the the time in the hospital. I thought, like, oh man, this is gonna suck. I just want to leave. I just want to leave. I just want to leave. But what I found was actually much more difficult the time immediately after the hospital. So what was it like leaving the hospital? You know, you're in there for a month and a half. You you miss so much of school um how did you like tell people like yo where have you been for the past six weeks um you know you you mentioned how your school was very accommodating but can you tell us like what they did to really help you out
1: um well what they really did which really helped me out is even though they gave me all this work work to do and quite honestly I couldn't really do the work because I think I mentioned to you my concentration was horrible Mm -hmm. so I mean I couldn't even I couldn't do any of it really and I even my rating changed like I was like my writing was so like not even straight. I mean, I couldn't do anything really with the schoolwork. But what they did was, they came they came to me and they said, "Okay, you missed a whole quarter of school," and they're very accommodating. They said, "Whatever you get your fourth quarter, those are your third quarter grades." That's oh wow! Okay. Don't, don't worry about Don't worry about having to um, you know make up any of that work and have to make up any of the tests and do any of it. So I was very fortunate because, I mean, I was pretty much going to graduate and had everything kind of ready to go, but they were very accommodating that they were just like, this is all you have to do. But um, so that was their accommodating in that sense. In terms of telling people, I really much only told like certain certain close friends kind of what happened. And I think everybody else pretty much just kind of stayed out of my way because I didn't look so very, mm. you know, they, they could tell. I mean, I was pretty much heavily medicated I pretty much, you know, looked like I was tired all the time. So people pretty much just stayed away from me. I think maybe some people did it too out of fear because yeah. the way it looked, you know, not knowing really what was going on. So they just pretty much, it was pretty much just my close friends kind of knew exactly kind of what, what happened and teachers. But I think the rest of the people kind of were just kind of just backed off.
0: Yeah. Well, that sounds terrible, to be honest, um, and really challenging. And I remember when I left the psych ward, it was, it was really hard for me to kind of, I didn't tell my friends really what happened. And they kind of would say like, so did you have a nervous breakdown? And I would just be like, yeah, yeah, let's uh, let's call it that. And, you know, not saying that, you know, it, no, it was a full-blown manic episode. I was basically auditory, hallucinating, you know, paranoid, but whatever. And so what when did you really start to notice significant improvements in your bipolar disorder was it you know once you finally left high school or like what changes did you make in your lifestyle that you really started to notice improvements to your management of this illness
1: um i think it was believe it or not for me i think it was more so after like my sophomore year of college just because i think i mentioned to you they did this type of trial with me where they took me off the medication. Mm-hmm. So, so you know, I was on the medication for one full year, and I think if I would have stayed on it, it would have maybe been a little bit uh, quicker. Um, of of uh, I, went, I would have um, recovered a little bit more quick, quickly. But because they did this trial and it didn't work at all, you know, I was from, you know, June to no, November off, off the medication, and then finally I had another relapse with that. Um, I think that kind of... Kind of um, made a difference with the with the discovery. But basically, I feel like, you know, I definitely um, started, you know, in college more. So some changes I kind of really made was, you know, working out a little bit more, definitely running more. Um, I kind of always felt very sluggish. I kind of felt like, you know, I, I gained weight from the medication. And I really felt that was the only way that was going to kind of help me was by just exercising, exercising more. Some of the t- tips I received too was just when I was in college, and I think this was really helpful for me, was just that um, they wouldn't let me, dr- I was told I couldn't drink any type of alcohol right away. So basically in college, you know, when everybody else is out there drinking, out, you know, be or college, I wasn't partaking in any of that. And I think that kind of, you know, definitely helped me with my medication yeah. and managing, managing that and as well you know they, they definitely made it very clear about you know recreational drugs as well don't don't engage and
0: you know that's that's also something i never did as well mm-hmm. okay so let's talk a little bit about running and and just exercise in general because i always really preach that i think that's like the best medication you can do for your mental health you know it's easy uh well let's go let's call it cheap it's not necessarily easy But, you know, just getting out there and doing any exercise, like right now I'm in recovery from a surgery. And yesterday was the first time that I was able to exercise in about two weeks. And I noticed an immediate change in my mood. My sleep was a higher quality. And just my general affect was so much better. So now what I'm really curious about is you eventually grew to be like, uh, you've done a few marathons, like five or something, right? Right. But you initially were... um, you know, you said you weren't really an athlete in high school. You you gained weight from maybe the medication or maybe just lifestyle choices or being depressed. So how did you really go from being you know someone who wasn't really used to being uh, healthy necessarily with their running habits to going and you know doing triathlons and and these marathons and all these things? Like how did you make that leap and how did you really get started?
1: Well, it's kind of to back up. Really, um, I actually when I was in elementary school and high school actually did run. So I I, I did run. So for me, running was kind of one of those things that I was kind of always always good at. It was easier for me than other people. But by the time I was in high school, when I was diagnosed with bipolar, I really kind of was kind of over it a lot. I wasn't really as into it. Like I I ran because I knew that was like what I needed to do for for losing weight and and helping me with, you know, kind of just with, with mental illness. But at the same time, it was kind of later, like my sister signed me up for a triathlon for both of us to do. And that's kind of how I got started to get back a little bit into it. And then ever since then, I kind of got back into running and definitely kind of what you said, like running is definitely really, really good, you know, just for for, your, for you as a person, for mentally, it really just takes all the stress away from you. And um, for me, I just i just think it was like another thing that kind of helped me um kind of maintain um a healthy lifestyle by doing that
0: so imagine that there's someone listening who uh maybe they just got out of the psych ward they're 50 pounds overweight they've never really been that into exercise they hate exercise but they hear this podcast they hear their doctors always say you should exercise you should exercise so what words of encouragement would you give them words of advice, just to kind of get started? Because I always talk about how, you know, getting started is the hardest part. But once you have that momentum of consistency, it's really easy to just continue. But getting started sucks. So how would you tell that person to get started? I mean,
1: I basically would tell them that it's important for them to kind of just take it step by step. Like, don't, like, feel that they have to, you know, start working out and they have to, like, um... You know set this this highly like, this goal for themselves that are like, this basically might seem unachievable to begin with because I feel like for myself when I was when I got out of the hospital to be honest with you um that was the really big mistake I made because I would come home from school every day exhausted and I would sleep mm. and I wondered and I always wondered to this day I'm like if, if I would have just came home and gone for a jog after school would that have made a difference Because I really just didn't think me coming home, being tired all day at school, and coming home and sleeping for a couple hours was necessarily the best thing for me to do. Mm -hmm. Uh, And nobody ever said anything to me, I think you should do this, they just let me sleep. But I mean, it was just, you know, looking back at it, I just, I always wondered if I would have started sooner. Even if you just went for a walk, get out, do something, because I think just, you know, it helps your body if you if you do some type of exercise
0: yeah yeah well i always say how like you know the whole act of going to the gym uh working out you know you look at when you go to the gym you see all these people that are jacked out of their mind or super in shape you know super sexy and working out maybe for 90 minutes at a time and it's really intimidating when you're not used to doing that and so what i always tell people i was like anything is better than zero you know you can just, like you said, like get up, go even for a walk, even if it's just for five minutes, like it doesn't really matter. Maybe just five push ups or whatever. Just s- starting, getting that process going. And then next day, maybe it's six push ups, maybe it's a 10 minute walk, and just getting going is just the best way to really do that. And so, I really think that's good advice. So, now I kind of want to sh- switch the transition to really kind of why we're here today, why you chose to come out kind of like disclosure of bipolar disorder. So what I would like to kind of hear about is kind of when you started to feel comfortable disclosing your bipolar disorder um, and like, you know, how that started and then really like barriers that kept you from telling everyone. And then, of course, I'd like to kind of conclude of now why you're like, hey, screw it, like everybody can know. I don't give a crap uh, kind of thing. So what was that really progression like?
1: Um, I think for me, it was more so for me, I think it was important for me, first of all, for me to feel healthy, first of all, I think about it. I think to be, to feel healthy. Um, and then once I felt healthy, I felt like I could talk a little bit more about it. Um, I think there was some secrecy, I think, in the beginning, you know, not everybody knew about it. Only certain family knew about it. Not It wasn't like the whole family mm-hmm. knew what was going on. So I think there was a part of that that was a little bit, you know, in the beginning, I think you know, nobody really wanted to talk about it or to go in detail kind of really what was going on with it. But I think definitely um, I would say in my, you know, late 20s, I was more more confident about talking about it, especially because by then I really had it under control. Um, also, I had, you know, met, met close friends. I mean, I really didn't tell really at the beginning any of my friends really, what was going on also um you know meeting new people obviously that's not not the first thing i know i would disclose to them about it but i Mm -hmm. think you know people's reactions were very they were very surprised but not like not surprised in a bad way yeah i think surprised because everybody kind of has this stigma of what they think it
0: means and And now when you say it would you tell people i have a mental illness or would you say i have bipolar disorder
1: i just said bipolar disorder okay or, I'm, or I'm, a, I'm bipolar. Yeah. You
0: know, and I
1: think there's, like you said, there's a negative stigma with it. And I think a lot of people don't know. I think they don't, they don't really know what it means. And I think that they think that people act a certain way their whole life because they have it. And that, that they can distinguish it. I mean, nobody could, you know, meeting me could even tell that I had it. Like people
0: were, were really just shocked that, mm-hmm. to learn that I had it. Um, you know, once once I told them about it. Did you get a lot of? Because this happened to me. You don't seem bipolar. Did you get I that?
1: Know, I, somebody somebody told me, which I don't know if this is compliment or not, like, you're the most sane person I ever met. Like, <laughs>
0: that's bipolar. funny you say <laughs> that people have said that to me too they're like but you seem so calm i'm like yeah because it's fucking working like the bed the beds the meditation the exercise like it's, it's doing its job and so that's that's kind of funny that you you've experienced that now one thing i i took away from your story is um you know your doctors and therapists didn't really explicitly uh tell you you know don't tell people with bipolar disorder but you kind of got that connotation. And I actually had uh, medical professionals say, like, it's not a good idea. It's It could jeopardize your career. It could jeopardize your relationships, uh, housing status. It could just really be um, a bad, bad idea. And everyone's always afraid of the stigma and this terrible stigma. And I kind of st- like to have the attitude of, like, stigma ain't shit. You know, it's not really as bad as everyone really thinks it is. Um, and I think that's, you know, I'm, I'm younger than you, so I think that the disclosing over the last few years has been easier than disclosing maybe 20 years ago or whatever it might have been. Um, but have you faced negative stigma? And if so, like, what was it like? Have you faced more or less than you really anticipated?
1: Um, I think the only thing would be stigma was just be like, people trying to think, you know, it is certain, certain, not me, not my immediate family, but maybe other people in the family thinking that, um, I can't do certain things because I have this. And I think, I think my dad kind of like, he one time really, um, kind of made a really good point about it because, you know, my dad, he talks, he doesn't talk about it a whole lot. Like he doesn't really like to talk about it and it's not really so much because it's a, an issue with him. But I think what he liked, he told me one time, is like, He's like, I want you to just to realize is like like there's so many different things about you. And he's like, this is just, you know, something that you have. And he's like, it doesn't define you like as a person. Mm-hmm. And he's like, and he's like, and I don't want you to ever like think about stuff in life and say, I can't do this in life because I'm bipolar. Yeah. You know, he's like, he's like, I don't want you to feel like you can't do things in life. He's like, because you've already shown that you can do things in life. And sometimes, you know, people may use it as a crutch or, or people may say, oh, well, I'm not going to do this because of that. But, you know, he just wanted to he just wanted me to realize that I can live my life the way I want to live it. And also I can be, you know, do you know, do whatever, do anything I really wanted to do in life.
0: Yeah. Yeah. And I think that's a great attitude. And, you know, I, I totally agree. I think some people like will say, no, I can't work full time um, because I have bipolar disorder. And, you know, at the end of the day, there are some people that do have this disorder that's so severe that it is totally debilitating. But then there are other people that think because they have this disorder, they can never achieve such great things. And, you know, I think you're a great example of that. I think I'm a great example of that, of just being like, you know, screw it. Like I'm gonna achieve what I want to despite where I might have challenges. So now, can you give any examples of situations when you did disclose and you got like a negative reaction from someone, kind of like that stigma? Um, not necessarily disclosing it in terms
1: of friends and that. I just know that there were, unfortunately, some people in um, my extended family that. Actually, thought it was hilarious that I was bipolar, hmm. that I had mental illness, and weren't supportive, you know, in that sense. And they thought it, you know, they it was kind of a joke, basically, to them that I was dealing with this type of thing going on in my life uh, at the time. And so, I think that's the only type of negativity that I've ever experienced with it. Yeah. Um, luckily, I've been I've not experienced anything else with without anything, you know, with other friends or anything like that. I think people have been. Pretty supportive, but like I said, at the most, at the uh, most of the time, they've been very, um, they've been shocked because they would they had no idea.
0: Yeah, yeah.
1: it's It's not like they could put us in a focus group, but people in a focus group can say please identify who the bipolar people are. in this room. I mean, there's, it doesn't work that way.
0: No, absolutely. And you know, I, I I really liked what you said, because what I tell people about my experiences with disclosing my illness is I have experienced some negative stigma, but the vast, vast majority, like 98% has been very positive, very supportive, or kind of like, Oh, uh, Bipolar disorder runs in my family, or I also know a friend of mine who has bipolar disorder, and so it's been really a positive, positive experience. And so I try to look at other aspects of our culture and make kind of analogies, just to make people feel a little bit better, maybe about uh, you know making that leap, like you're kind of doing today, of going from I'm just going to tell my Uh, kind of immediate family and friends to now being more public online so other people can you know benefit from my story And so I've had a lot of friends um, Not a lot, but enough friends who have decided or you know are gay and eventually have come out that they're gay and they've kind of Told me about their disclosure experiences And so I kind of look at it as our country like our country is changing and our world is changing To be much much more accepting of people who choose to live a homosexual lifestyle or bisexual whatever There are, of course, that certain subset of people that are extremely conservative for whatever reasons that have their negative attitudes for people who are homosexual. And I kind of think the same thing about mental illness. Like our country is changing. People are getting more accepting of people with mental health challenges, more welcoming and more supportive. There, of course, are going to be those few people that are probably never going to change and are always just going to be assholes towards people like me and you who have mental illness. So I think if People kind of have that attitude and almost expectation like, okay, I am going to face maybe some stigma. Maybe some people are going to say some dumb things. Maybe some family members are going to be total idiots and totally unsupportive. But the vast, vast majority of people will be supportive. And because I just think it's so much healthier to live like we're living. Where it's you just tell people about mental illness. I absolutely hated those periods of my life where I was ashamed and I felt all alone about my bipolar disorder, and I just think it's a horrible, horrible way to live. No,
1: exactly, and that's kind of why I wanted to, kind of, kind of talk to you or so kind of for an outlet, so I can kind of kind of share my story because, you know, my current psychiatrist actually she's she's totally for you know, talking about it, and I had made a a comment to her about it, about kind of looking for, you know, an avenue to discuss it, and and she basically, you know, said that I'm like the poster child because, you know, um, you know, compared to, you know, some of her other patients that she has to deal with, but just because, you know, I I see her twice a year, that's it, like, Mm -hmm. you know, I I basically see her because she writes my prescription, and and I have to kind of just um, she just has to check in with me and see how things are going, but you know, really, um, I'm at a point in my life where that whole maintenance part of it is really it's it's not doesn't it's not very time consuming doesn't take much time right now. You know, the, obviously in the early phases, you you know you see your your doctors a lot more often and mm-hmm. you're trying to figure certain things out. But I'm lucky that I'm in a at a, a point in my life where things seem to be working really well, and you know, I don't
0: need to go see you know my psychiatrist very often yeah well that that's awesome that is that is just fantastic so really as a way to kind of conclude this episode I try to do this on almost every episode
1: you know imagine
0: someone's listening to us who maybe just also got diagnosed with bipolar disorder and so think back to when you first got diagnosed with bipolar disorder, when you were you know, 17 years old, whatever, what advice do you think would have been most beneficial to hear? So what advice would you want to give to that person who's freshly diagnosed, who maybe just got to the psych ward and, and just got out of the psych ward? Um, what, what would you think really be beneficial to hear? First thing would
1: be, don't give up. That's number one. You can't give up. Um, it's going to be tough in the beginning. But it's going to get better, and you got to give it time. You know, it's it's not going to you know. It's, you're not going to get better overnight. It may you know everybody's everybody's um bodies different. Some people react very quickly to medication, and you know can see changes right away. Other people it might take them a couple years. But the the most important thing is, is don't give up. Basically, I would say. And also, you do have somewhat of a control of how things will um just basic control of how things will with the outcome of things, because basically you can, um, if you do the things your doctor says, if you, you know, eat eat healthy, live, uh, you know, exercise, take your medication the way you're supposed to, you know, that that will definitely help you. But you're, you're the one that has to make those decisions for yourself, that you're going to do that. And if you do those things, you know, your the chances of you having a, a a great life i mean um it's it's very high
0: yeah and i I think that's fantastic advice and you really kind of hit on a a topic that i think is is one of the more challenging parts of having any mental illness is and one thing i I didn't want to hear at least at the beginning when i was first diagnosed is solving these issues and resolving these issues at least to a, a state where you are functional and can be successful it's, it's a slow process. You know, when you get out of the psych ward, you're not going to find that pill right away and feel right immediately better. You're not going to go to one therapy session and your therapist is going to like say this amazing thing that's going to automatically click and change your brain. And it oh it's all perfect now. No, it's a slow, long, gradual process. And, you know, I don't even know if that's necessarily going to make someone who just got out of the psych ward feel better. But I think it's going to help them set expectations. Like, listen, I know you feel like shit. And you're probably gonna feel like shit tomorrow in the next few months. But if you keep at this and stay consistent, I guarantee you can move in the right direction. But it definitely is gonna take time. Like everyone in our society seems to want those quick, easy solutions. And that's one thing we see a lot when I'm in medical school right now. Like everyone wants like, okay, give me the pill that's gonna work. I want this symptom to go away. It's like, well, maybe if you weren't overweight, like you wouldn't have you know, high blood pressure kind of thing. Like. And right. so it's, it's just, I feel like it's almost that same dynamic with mental illness. You know, these are long, challenging in illnesses and right. they, they suck at times, but they can get better with consistency. Well, what was that, Ruben? I was going to tell you one thing was that,
1: and also I think important thing too is just try to communicate with people like try to communicate with your doctors, try to communicate with your parents. You know, a lot of times one mistake I made is I didn't, I didn't say how I felt all the time. You know, I try to hide a lot of things and try to not let my parents know, like, how I was feeling, that I wasn't feeling great. Cause I had two older siblings, and I kind of felt like, you know, I didn't want all the attention thrown on me because of this, but like, they also needed my parents for other things as well. So I think, like, let them, let your parents know, like, how you feel, communicate that. Cause at the end of the day, like, my parents, they didn't have any clue. Yeah. Until I, until I finally told them, but, you know, telling them, like, two years, two years after the fact is a little bit too late.
0: Yeah. Yeah. I think the worst way to handle any sort of mental health challenge is alone. And so I think I think that's fantastic advice. Well, Ruben, thank you so much for coming on the show today. I thought you did fantastic. You told your story so well. I hope you decide to participate in Movember. Move- are you familiar with Movember? Oh, no, don't Movember, it's uh, where you grow a mustache for all of uh, November. And it's for testic—it's originally for testicular and prostate cancer, but more recently the organization has uh, included men's mental health because I think men just have a different series of challenges when it comes to mental health than maybe women. I think women are a little bit more comfortable talking with other women about their mental states, and us men just—you know—maybe keep everything inside and punch a wall or drink a whole bottle of whiskey or something. You know, we just behave differently when it comes to mental health but you're really an inspiration to so many people out there living with mental uh illness thank you so much again for coming on the show today um any last piece of advice that you want to give our listeners just you
1: know stay positive um don't give up
0: and just communicate Thank you for tuning in. Be sure to tune in next week to talk mental health with Logan Noon. I'll have on my classmate and good friend, Megan. She was actually my first guest on this show, episode two. Uh, In that episode, she talks mostly about her OCD. And then in this episode, this new episode, she's going to talk about how she was newly diagnosed with ADHD while in medical school. So it's going to be a good one. Be sure to tune in next week to talk mental health with Logan Noon. And now the weather. Expect partly cloudy skies with an excellent chance of maximum refunds. Wait, that can't be right.
1: Oh, but it is.
0: Who are you?
1: I'm April. And we could see refunds raining down all tax season with people switching to TaxAct. TaxAct? The tax filing software that makes it easy to file for less and get more.
0: New forecast. It's sunny days ahead for everyone using TaxAct.
1: Always happy to brighten your day. TaxAct. Switch to TaxAct today and start for free.
0: See TaxAct.com for details.